you don't need the funnels. You don't need the Facebook ads. You don't need all the crap out there that everyone makes you feel like if you don't have, you're going to fail. What you need is a really powerful vision. You need to claim your leadership. You need to own your magic. You need to have a vision for your audience that's bigger than the vision they have for themselves. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business, where academics are exploring the territory of becoming CEOs, potentially, or dabbling in some side hustle uh, stuff on the interwebs. So this is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. And today I have Dr. Gladys Atto. Our conversation was fun. And this woman, she is no joke. If I were to say academics mean business, she means business. This is someone who definitely means business. And I love her background. I think the experiences that she's had, um, she was president of an institution that she actually had to help shut down. And she talks a lot about that um, over at National Hispanic University. So she was hired as the president there and she had to oversee it ending, um, which we talk a little bit about, but it also plays a part in her story of what she could help people with, which is saying goodbye. And we talk about that a lot, actually, and how it relates to her starting a business and deciding how she could really help people. So in her early stages of her education, she loved psychology. She was intrigued by it, um, but she found therapy limiting. So she went into consulting. And from there, she knew she wanted to be a public speaker. And so that's what she was doing. And she actually decided to teach as a way to practice public speaking, which I thought was so interesting um, and so different than my own desires and and my love for teaching. And so she kind of stumbled into it um, as a way to improve her public speaking. And she was good at it. She was a great leader. People trusted her. So she started to move up in the ranks. And the catalyst for that for her business was the closure of her university. And she basically had this option to step into another presidency. And when she decided that that wasn't what she wanted to do next, she literally like said in the interview, this was my moment, right? Where she knew that she could take her personal philosophy and turn it into a methodology that could help people. So that is what we talk about. It's a beautiful conversation. And, you know, we get a little deep there about what it's like to be an entrepreneur and what we're doing as academics, like what we, how we can best serve people. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. And I think you're going to hopefully connect with both her and I a little bit, especially if you're out there trying to build a business. Um, Cause we do talk about the difficulties of it and, and the looking for answers outside of ourselves. That was a theme that I picked up for this interview. So enjoy this and please head on over to the Facebook group if you're not already there. So you can connect with all of our guests and of course myself and the community as we all try to build businesses together. All right, here she is, Dr. Gladys Atto. I am so pleased to welcome uh, Dr. Gladys Otto to Academics Mean Business. Welcome, Gladys. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I'm excited to be chatting with you. I'm excited and I can't believe it took me this long to have you on. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> like, I feel like you've been in my realm for a while. Um, and uh, yeah, you recently made a post. I was like, dang, yes, this girl needs to come on. And here we are, finally. Awesome. 
Yeah. So on Academics Being Business, we really, you know, I think it's funny because I've been on a lot of podcasts um, and I rarely get to talk about my academic background or my research or any of that fun stuff or any of my teaching that I did. But that's definitely where we start here. So give us a little bit about your background, why you studied what you studied. Um, You know, you can share anything that you want to share around that, your CV, really, if you will, um, what you were teaching. And I know you went into admin and all of that stuff. So Give us, give us your best uh, CV. Sure. Well, <laughs> in a nutshell, <laughs> you know, my CV is truly made up serendipitously. It was not something mm. that I envisioned and then made happen. So I went to graduate school to become a clinical psychologist. That was ah. something that I felt really strongly about uh, in in high school. Actually, I remember taking. My senior year, I took a psychology course and was just so fascinated I by this the whole field. And I remember watching um, the movie Sybil and then reading the book and just being like, how does how does human behavior mm. function in so many different ways? So I went to graduate school thinking that I would have a private practice where I would be working with adults and would be a therapist, and that would be mm-hmm. my career. But down the way, number one, I learned that therapy wasn't for me. I was okay. great at it, but I really felt like it was limiting in terms of all the skill sets that I had. And so mm. I started doing consultation, which was a really great fit because it was therapeutic. And at the same time, I started to be able to supervise other consultants and really start to help nurture them and becoming leaders. So that happened. That was back in, gosh, two thousand. Three, I think mm-hmm. maybe, or 2004. So anyway, right along that time, I wanted to keep my public speaking skills wet. Public speaking mm. is my my biggest passion. I have 35 years of sp- experience and that's a whole other story. So she's like amazing on camera, by the way. I've I've caught some of your lives. Um, yeah. So I that comes through a thousand percent. That makes a ton of sense. Oh, thank you, Lindsay. Yeah. yeah, it's it's you know, put me in front of a camera, a video camera, I'm great. You put me in front of a regular camera to take photographs of me and oh, I gosh, look like a freaking I hear you dork. On that. Yeah. What is it about <laughs> photos? There's something about it. My smile comes off so I don't know, just awkward. Yeah, it's awkward. Yeah. <laughs> right? Unless you're with it's an so amazing awkward. photographer that just knows how to make you feel normal. Mm. So anyway, I decided to start teaching. That was my entree Mm. into academia was just to teach in order to keep my public speaking skills wet. So Ah. I became a professor. My first course that I taught was an online course uh, called The Psychology of Women. And that quickly led me to a career where I taught a number of psychology courses, both at the undergrad and grad level. I started to do work as a dissertation chair. I was an Mm. academic advisor, but um, people noticed my leadership potential. And it's interesting because it was something that I never saw myself as. And, Mm. you know, quick little backstory coming from a childhood where I was so introverted and shy, but also really terrified of the world um, Mm. and was not safe at school because I was Mm. being bullied. My Mm -hmm. objective of being invisible was the only way that I learned how to be safe, how to Mm -hmm. feel safe. So fast forward now, starting to teach, starting to be seen for being a leader. To me, that just didn't make sense. But I was also a people pleaser. And so I wasn't going to turn down opportunities. So I just said yes. And then I figured it out and did the best I could. So (laughs) that is actually how I ended up in higher ed administration. It was truly other people inviting me to to take these positions of leadership. So 
I've done everything from serving as department chair of undergraduate studies. Um, mm-hmm. When I inherited the program, it was just psychology and business, but I grew it to four programs. So we had psychology, business, criminal Whoa. justice, and liberal arts. I then became the vice president of academic affairs. So I was overseeing all the academic programs, whether they were undergrad or grad, and really helping the faculty and department chairs and staff elevate the academic Mm. quality in the institution. And then my last position, I was the president and provost of the National Hispanic University. So this desire to take a course or to teach a course so I could mm. keep my public speaking skills wet ended up in almost a 15 year career. <laughs> career. Of- almost. I love that. We'll put, we'll put a hold on that because that's definitely where my next question is coming from. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's been amazing and very rewarding. Very cool. I love it. So so yeah, you do have like an interesting path and um, and, but still also like I, it sounds like you were pretty self-aware um, during that journey and to be like, oh, uh, this thing that I thought was going to be awesome, which is getting, you know, having being a practitioner, right, and and having a, a practice, right, mm-hmm. versus, you know, doing the other things you started to do and then like kind of, I don't know, accidentally <laughs> uh, becoming a professor. I find that fascinating. And I wonder how that contributes to you having a business. So um, when did this entrepreneurship kind of run a, an online business where does that fit into this this CV? Sure. Well, online education is my specialty, right? Mm. I taught my first mm-hmm. online course in 2004. So I've been in the online space for, what, what are we now? 14 years, yeah, right? That's, yeah, that's a while. It's, it's a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, and as you know, in academia, we have a lot of standards and regulations yep. that we have to adhere by. And so... It's very different than the entrepreneurial space that we're in where anybody can create a course or a program, slap it online, and you know, good luck if you ever are able to finish it. And so for yep. me, what I bring now is a true understanding and focus on education and mm. that there is actually a process to how people learn, right? Yes. And there are principles and strategies that you can use to teach a program or a course that actually leads not only to retention, but successful graduation and people yep. can walk away integrating the skills that they've learned and that that helps them actually not just finish the course, but stay on the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial path. And, Ooh, which is know, so much bigger than just getting information. I love this. And I love oh, the use of the yeah. word integration. Yes. Yeah. It's not information, right? And no. that's, that's what, no, what the problem is that nobody out there is, is really teaching how to focus on retention, but through Mm -hmm. an education lens, right, of how it is that we actually as an industry, right? Mm -hmm. Because I know a lot of the work Mm -hmm. that you do obviously is is addressing this, but as an industry, an entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. industry, no one's regulating this and Mm -hmm. it's an issue. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was a natural next step for me to go in that direction. And the catalyst to me making that switch from leaving higher ed to then starting my own business was the closure of the National Hispanic University. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I joined them in 2013 as a provost. Five months later, I was promoted to president. And, you know, being six months new to an organization, you are starting to oh, build yeah. trust and starting yeah. to form relationships. But that quickly became a reality situation of me and my community realizing that the board was going to need to close the school down. And yeah. that became 
in an, an incredibly intense one and a half year journey of closing I the bet. school down that I needed to shepherd as the president <sighs> and completely unexpected, right? This is not mm-hmm. what I went there for. I went there thinking that I was going to build an amazing career, right? Mm-hmm. And lift lift up academic integrity. So mm. obviously we had to lay everybody off. I was going to be the last person laid off. And I had been given some really amazing opportunities to step into another CEO position or another mm-hmm. president position. And I found myself saying no. Mm. And it was at that moment that I realized, you know, the universe has given me two very, very distinct moments where I've been at a crossroads. And, you know, in the past, the crossroads was, okay, you either keep going in the direction that you're going in or you pursue what is really your passion. I stayed my course and that ended up in this 15-year career in higher ed. Mm-hmm. Well, now here was the second time where the universe was saying, okay, Gladys, what do you want to do next? Here is your chance. You're at a crossroads. You can stay on this corporate ladder and keep moving up because you're going to be really successful. You already yep. are. Um, or you can do something else. And I knew at that point that this was my moment. I, mm-hmm. If I made the decision to stay on the corporate ladder, I was going to be making a decision to live the rest of my life with regret. Mm-hmm. And I have no regrets in my life. So I know for me, it's incredibly important to live a life where I am regret-free. And that meant facing that scary, hairy vision that I have and mm-hmm. saying, okay, I'm going to go for it. So that's what made the decision for me to leave that space and enter the entrepreneurial jungle. Mm. <laughs> I love it. And it's so it's so cool because I had that moment too. And I, I just oh. love hearing other people's moments as well. And um, I think there's something tied to that that has to do with like a, like a knowing, like some sort of knowing and knowing that everything's going to be okay, because otherwise you probably wouldn't even be in the space to receive that message, right? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I yeah, I had something similar where um I was my husband and I both were teaching at a college and we were tenure track at the time mm-hmm. and I had decided that I was going to leave and sure enough um his institution was hiring for my position and I applied I think before I knew I was leaving and then they were like, "Yeah, we want to interview you." And I remember sitting there going, "I'm not even going to accept the interview," which wow. was like bananas because yeah, you know, the academic two body problem, right? Two academics in one household to be working at the same school. We were at within driving a distance. So we were okay, both at our respective institutions, but I could have worked at his institution and it was a great school. And I remember that moment and being like, this is it. I'm like turning down the thing that I wanted. And then funny enough, I knew the woman who was the sociologist on that would have done the hiring. And she's like, we actually didn't hire anyone. We wanted you. And yeah. And she's like, we thought we would find somebody and we didn't find anybody. Um, So they reopened the position for the next year. And I was like, Whoa, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I think I love like those moments that we can look back on. They're really hard, but then they're also like the choice is where that, that next step really comes from. Like, because oh, then it's yeah. like, I really know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'm I'm such a believer of that, too. You know, there's mm. no there's no accidents in life. Like everything no. that has unfolded, every position that I've taken, every event mm. that I've had in my life, they have mm. all been perfectly orchestrated to lead me to where I am at today and to prepare me for the work that I'm here to do. 
Mm, I love it. So I think painting a picture for the listener about kind of some of those first steps. Um, Some people listening already have businesses and they're just like excited to learn about people like you. And then other people are listening, you know, in their office uh, during office hours. So Mm. what, how did you kind of like make that? What were some of the first steps? Yeah. how did you know, you know, having the online education background probably was huge. Um, Where'd you start? With the entrepreneurial? With the business. Yeah. To know that like, this is my first move. It's, you know, build a website, whatever your first moves were, if you can, you know, recollect that. (laughs) My (laughs) first move was to go spend a month in Mexico. There you go. I I was burned (laughs) out. I was absolutely burned out. Um, You know, since 2010, I remember going into my office. This was when I was a vice president. And I remember going into my office one morning and usually, you know, I sit down, I open up my computer and I start going through like the hundreds of emails that Mm -hmm. are there before like my 9am morning, right? Or my my 9am meeting. Mm -hmm. And this morning instead, I went straight to Google and I typed in, what are the symptoms of burnout? And I read them. I'm like, yep, yep, Mm -hmm. yep, yep. I'm like, well, I'm burned out. And then I went into Mm -hmm. my next meeting. So I knew in 2010 (laughs) that the burnout was there. Yeah. And then fast forward, you know, having gone through the crisis of having to close the doors of National Hispanic University, um, I was wiped out. My nervous Mm. system was completely shot because that was in 2015. So I went to Mexico for a month. And during this time, you know, when I talk about no accidents, right? Like the, the one thing about, it's funny because somebody asked me yesterday, you know, Gladys, you talk about what happened at NHU, the National Hispanic University, mm-hmm. as a success. And you have so much pride around how you guys navigated the closure. She goes, a lot of people would think that it was a failure because mm-hmm. you had to close the school down after 34 years. And the gift that that experience gave me was having the confidence to be able to bring a methodology out into the world that could help communities and individuals deal with change and loss in a totally Oof. different way. And mm-hmm. so- I knew I was going to be writing a book about goodbyes um, since like mm. 2009 or 2008. I had started writing little notes to myself. And I forget that I like these post-it notes I like, kind of put over the notes in your your iPhone. Mm-hmm, I forget mm-hmm. that I write them, right? But then when I look back, there was a note, write a book about goodbyes, write about the power of goodbyes, write a book about saying good, 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 goodbye, right? And mm. this all started to come together. Well, I thought it was going to be a novel based on my family experience, right? And my mom dying in 2003 of a brain aneurysm, she gave Mm. me the gift of a good goodbye that I carried with me as more of a personal philosophy. Mm. But here I am at NHU, not knowing how the hell do you close an institution down that's been open for 34 years. None of us had done this before, Mm -hmm. but I knew how to have a good goodbye. And that to me became the entry into realizing that this personal philosophy could actually become a methodology to help organizations, help people. So Mexico for me was an attempt to write my book. I wrote nothing. I just played on the beach. <laughs> I danced. I slept. Um, I got really tan. You know, I just immersed myself in the in the culture there. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started to really get the ideas. Okay. I knew what my big vision was going to be for my business. So how do I start? Right. Because Mm. when you have a big, hairy, scary vision, Mm -hmm. it can get incredibly overwhelming Mm -hmm. very fast. Right. And you have to constantly remind yourself one step at a time, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Right. Like you just have to start in chunks. Yep. So 
for me and the way that I work, my chunks were actually starting to lay out the strategy, right? Like, so this is my big, hairy, scary vision. What do I want it to look like? What do I want mm. it to encompass? What do I need in terms of, sort of, you know, of resources? Who do I want to be part of this experience with me? And this what to me was dreaming space, right? But I'm hyper organized and I love, I'm super visual. So I have to lay this all out in an Excel spreadsheet, right? And I have to have like the boxes and the diagrams and the arrows and all that kind of stuff. So I did a lot of that my first year and I had not actually that 2015, I was not on Facebook. I was not on social media at all. I didn't join social media until 2016, two years ago. Mm -hmm. I was very anti social Mm -hmm. media, you know? So I think from an administration perspective too, like, yeah, I mean, I could hear, yeah, dealing with colleagues and students and there's kind of that like, well, I don't really need to (laughs) put myself out there, right? Yeah. Well, and Mm -hmm. especially when you come from the psychology background, you're told not to, right? Because if you're a (laughs) therapist, you don't want to like reveal all of your personal life Mm -hmm. on social media. So I was indoctrinated into that way of thinking, but 2016, Mm -hmm. I knew I had to start getting online, like in the social media space. So I would say that 2016 is really when I started to root, right? I had this vision. I could look at it visually. I could see the pieces coming together Mm. in my mind. And now it was like, well, how do I actually take that first real step? Mm. And so for me, it was creating my website just mm-hmm. so I could have that signpost out there. Uh, I actually enrolled for B-School. That mm-hmm. was my mm-hmm. attempt to understand, okay, well, what is this entrepreneurial landscape mm-hmm. that I'm actually stepping into? Um, but How'd my- you find Marie Forleo? Like, um, she's come up on this podcast before. So have yeah. other people's podcasts. Um, were you, this was part of your research, right? Academics are good researchers. <laughs> was exactly. it Google or were you, was it an ad maybe? I don't remember. I don't, mm, how did I hear about her? Isn't that funny? People just like end up in our worlds in social media. I know. We don't remember. Right. But I do remember being like, this is this is a training that I need, right? Because mm-hmm. I just didn't understand. I had no idea what the entrepreneurial landscape looked like. Totally. So, yep. Yeah. So I dove into that. And and like you said, you know, we, we tend to be researchers. So that was a yeah. lot of what I spent my first year doing is researching mm-hmm. this online yep. space. And starting to figure out, okay, well, who are the major players in, at least that are in my circle, right? Mm-hmm. Who Who's doing what? What mm-hmm. are they doing? How are they doing it? What's the outcome? And how can I learn from this? And where do I want to position myself? So yes. that's always been a big thing of Great. mine is, you know, I'm not coming in here as a beginner. I'm coming in here as an expert Boom. that is looking for how do I start to contribute to this industry and what do they need contributions around? You know, to me, that's a big part of thought leadership is you're Mm. not, it's not just putting stuff out there for the sake of putting out there. It's shaping your industry for the better for the future. So that's been a big driver of mine. And yeah, after the website, it was then just starting to gain traction and really being visible. Right. Mm -hmm. And social media for me has been that main platform because I do want a global business. And it's been a roller coaster ride. I mean, I could fill in more <laughs> details, but I will say, you know, it's been an, a, a massive emotional journey more than yes. anything. Like the logistical right. stuff where I'm at now, you don't need the funnels. You don't need no. the Facebook ads. You don't need all the crap out there that everyone makes you feel like if you don't have, you're going to fail. Mm. What you need is a really powerful vision. Right. And this is part of the work that I do now with my clients. And I call it my love story method. It's you need to claim your leadership. You need to own your magic. You need to have a vision for your audience that's bigger than the vision they have for themselves. And you need to know how to provide educational experiences that elevate lives. 
And that's the love acronym. That's what love stands for. And then obviously, you know, what we all know love to be when you are operating from a place of love, when you are bringing forth your best because you know this vision is what you're here to do. It's your heart's purpose. Mm. That love gets infused in everything that you do. And that's what makes the work so much less stressful, but more organic in how it Mm. unfolds. And I got incredibly distracted by all the the shiny objects, right? And invested thousands of dollars into thinking I needed them. And it made me feel like shit. Mm -hmm. I felt incredibly deflated. I lost my sense of self. I lost my own recognition of me being an expert along the way. Mm. And it was a, you know, when I say emotional journey, it's like, you know, bawling in a puddle of tears on your couch asking the question of like, who the hell am I? What do I want in life? Because I was so used to being told what to do Mm. organizationally and I did it really freaking well. And now Gladys got to tell herself what to do and I didn't know. So it was a massive journey of self-discovery and then coming out on the other side to say like, wow, when you're that vulnerable, you are so open to persuasion from other people. And if you're not on top of it, you're going to be misled into all kinds of undercurrents of insecurity and doubt and giving away your power to others and feeling Mm. like everybody else has the answer except for you. Mm. I resonate so much with this story. I'm like, that is me also. (laughs) Is it really? That could have been me. I could have (laughs) written that same script. No, but it's true. And I think, Mm. well, I mean, I love where you went when you were talking about also like how we're coming into this space. Like we know stuff, we're experts and we can like read. Um, I think there's something about being an academic that's like I can read patterns and I can like make yes. decisions based on that. And I did similar things to you, where I was like, "How do I want to position myself?" No, I don't want to create a course on courses just because I'm supposed to. Something right. fell off. I I didn't have words for it until now, but mm-hmm. something fell off where I was like. And and you said the words like shaping the industry. Like, where do I want to position myself? Because and you use the word thought leadership too. And I, I'd love to talk to you about that as well, because part of that word is it, like that choice of words gets thrown around this industry a lot. Oh my God. And, um, you know, and then there's all this semantics around it. But the funny thing is, is I'm like, yeah, that's like what being an academic is. Like we're always pushing knowledge, like further yes. and poking holes and whatever. And so, and so then here are people online being like, oh, the next thought leader. And I'm just like, we're all thought leaders. Like, <laughs> We can be right, like, like you know, like no one's like anointed. Um, anyway, so I was just like, you're bringing up so much stuff about like that I felt, and that I don't know. I feel like this, like, oh, we are so on the waves, the same wavelength about like what's happening that. in the industry. Yeah. So, anyways, I just wanted to reflect that that back. But yeah, I I just think like academics are like OG thought leaders. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's what we do. And it's kind of, exactly. It's So, you know, for those listening, if like, I think part of the fear and doubt of stepping into this space, at least for me that I struggled with too, was like, well, I'm not a business owner. Like I Mm. knew how to play the game of academia and you obviously did too. And then coming into this space, it felt like I I felt a little lost and I told exactly what you said, did not trust my own inner compass and my own wisdom, my own experience and let it be these other people that told me how to do this. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious what your thoughts are around some of that, that maybe mindset part mm-hmm. that happens at the early stages of doubting 
how academia translates into business and maybe talking a little bit about like how your skill set once you because I would love to save people that time. I know we all are on our yeah. own journeys, but whatever yeah. kind of wisdom you have around that, around like the mindset piece of we are good enough, we do know enough. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your experience with that? And as being obviously a psychologist, maybe you have even better insight than me. Well, you know, I'm, and thank you for sharing that, Lindsay. It's mm. always nice to know like you're not alone, right? Mm. And that's a big part of it, right? Like for you for to sure. say that you resonate with what I was talking yep. about, it's like, oh my God, okay, so it wasn't just me, right? And nope. now it's like, well, who else has experienced this? Because <laughs> we need to freaking talk about this. It's a right. problem, right? Yep. <laughs> like save people from drowning. Mm. So, you know, for me, I I do have the the gift of, you know, having been in higher positions like VP and president CEO, like I've run multi-million dollar institutions, right? I've been a board president of a number of nonprofits, you know, that had million dollar plus revenue, you know, each year. So I'm, I know that business side. Mm. And then obviously the psychology side of mine, I get to integrate the two. And one thing for sure, right? Like if, if anybody being in the academic space is looking into entrepreneurship or you're in the entrepreneurial space, having left academia and you're, you're fumbling around, like you can relate to Lindsay and I's stories. It is that definitely mindset is important. Um, but what I think trumps mindset, cause mm. I'm not, I'm not a big, I'm not sold on the whole mindset movement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I actually think that there's more to it that needs to come before. And that is you have to understand that when your nervous system is triggered, you're not going to feel safe with anything, right? And I'm not talking safe like, okay, somebody's going to rob your home. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about that sense of internal emotional safety. Yep. So this is what happened a lot for me. And it's it's interesting now, like tracing back my own journey. I've been spending the last couple months really in – deep reflection mode Mm -hmm. and integration mode around my own process. When you step into a new environment, right? It's like any change that you go Mm -hmm. through, right? So you're changing from academia to entrepreneurship. Your own template for how you deal with change is going to get pulled up, right? So your brain is like a filing cabinet. And in your brain, you have all these file folders labeled whatever. Well, you're going to have one that's labeled transitions, change, Mm. whatever, Whatever is in that file folder, right, based on your past transitions, past big changes that you've gone through is going to inform your brain on Mm -hmm. how it can prepare to respond. And your brain is also looking for cues from your nervous system. So is your nervous system triggered? And if something, if we're facing a new change, like, holy shit, this entrepreneurial space is so overwhelming and big. I don't know what to do. Your nervous system gets triggered. And if you have a pattern of nervous system getting triggered in a way that makes you feel overwhelmed, you can't make decisions, Mm -hmm. you feel anxious, you feel scared, whatever those feelings are, those are going to get amplified by whatever your brain is pulling out of that transitions and change folder. So this is a huge opportunity that we actually have if we're aware of ourselves enough to track it, right? This is all self-awareness stuff. Yep. It's how do you actually start to listen to your body? And what your body is communicating to you so that you can start to see when your nervous system is needing support and address your nervous system first and then complement it by mindset stuff, right? But you can talk yourself into believing you're the best all day. But if your nervous system is triggered (laughs) and in fight or flight mode, it's not going to matter. Yep. No, nope. and that's why mindfulness stuff doesn't work for some people. It's because yeah, there's some the affirmation stuff. stuff that people push too. Like if the mm-hmm. deep inner knowing of you is like this is bullshit, you could be making it worse. Yes, 
Yes, yes, yes. And, mm-hmm. you know, that takes us into, you know, if you come from past traumas, right, mm-hmm. your, your nervous system is probably agitated 24 seven. And yep. then something that might seem benign, like for me, you know, my website, oh my God. I mean, I, I guess I, I got so frustrated with like, you know, having other people do my website and it just wasn't yeah. the way I wanted. Cause I am a perfectionist. I'm not recovering. I actually <laughs> own my perfectionism. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm proud because perfection makes beautiful things in this world. Um, mm. But this website thing, like figuring out WordPress and figuring out how to create a page and all that language, it just didn't understand. It freaked me out because I felt like if I didn't get it right, I was going to get in quote unquote trouble. And if I got in trouble, Mm, that meant something bad was going to happen and that I was going to fail. And there would be a negative response externally. So that's what was playing out unconsciously. But really, you know, is it a big deal if, you know, my margins aren't 100% accurate on every page? No. Not mm-hmm. a big deal. But for Gladys and my life history and my life trajectory, yep. it was. And I had to be really, really mindful to not let that get in the way over and over again. Mm. Yes. There was a part where you were talking about the nervous triggering. I'm like, yep, I spent the last. So I'm coming back to myself because what I wasn't doing was paying attention to my bodily cues and was like, head down, head down, mm-hmm. do it, do it, do it. Yeah. And I'm like coming back to it. And it's like, oh, yeah, my body's been screaming at me this entire time. And yeah. I'm finally in the space where I've no, I've had to create space and make decisions to come back to it. But there's been such a body mind connection for me that I, mm-hmm. I, I think I went into like a little bit survival mode. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's so interesting to hear that back because I'm like, yep, that is exactly what I'm repairing or <laughs> I guess like coming home to right now is like that where we mentally like separate ourselves from what's happening. Yeah. With our body so we can just move forward because we for whatever reason we think we need to and whatever my file is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I've been, I'll say this too, having you on as well. Um, I started therapy. I've talked about it on the show before and I've oh, had awesome. lots of, yeah, I started therapy in March of this year and I'm doing EMDR specifically as yes. well, which has been so helpful yes. as an entrepreneur and to see, yeah, to follow those lines of where that comes with. So yeah, you know, with you know, the guidance of my therapist, I've been able to tap into what are my in my file folders and how that comes up on, you know, maybe not daily, but in entrepreneurship, it, you know, you're, you're facing your next thing that was blocking you or whatever. And it happens a lot. It happens pretty often. And so it's cool. I feel like I'm clearing space in my head. So I'm more able to make better decisions and not hold on to stuff as long. And so and that's what's opened up space for me coming back to my body as well. So yeah, now I know why I haven't had you on as early because I probably wouldn't have had this deep of a conversation. Both of us, <laughs> like I'm 50 episodes deep. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is exactly when this conversation is supposed to be happening. Oh, totally. Well, Lindsay, it. it's just the serendipity of it all mm, too, because I, I started EMDR this summer. I did it oh, cool. several, like, like maybe 15 years ago, but uh-huh. just um, I started it again. And exactly what you said, it's been, to me, I was describing it yesterday to a dear friend of mine. Um, it has been uh, sprucing up work, right? Mm. Like, because it's so fast. I, like I mean, I've, I've been doing personal development stuff for the last 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's been self-awareness and uh, emotional intelligence to me. Those are like my biggest drivers. And Which, P.S., as a president, I wish <laughs> Why is not all of our admin? I know. That? Sometimes I'm I know. Like, Who are well, running these that's, places? That's I part of what I'm here to try to change. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Um, but yeah, you know, it's been incredible. Like this, this past summer has just been a time of, I I was mentioning deep reflection. There's been a Mm. lot of raw emotional rawness, but that whole methodology for me, it's been a like lightning speed cleanup. Love it. It's like, oh yeah, rewiring. Isn't that crazy? I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yep. So cool. Well, again, back to like, yep, we're not alone. And, and, you know, coming from a therapy you know, studying that as a background for me, it was like, oh, that's for like other people. Um, <laughs> and and then and then also realizing like how not okay I was last year. <laughs> being oh, like, wow. oh, I am those other people, yeah. right? Like, and and what a gift also to give ourselves that like yes. everyone deserves as yes. well. And that's a whole other conversation about mental health, but but also so real and present in business and in a different way. And in mm-hmm. academia, there were other you know, heads that were reared for sure as uh, things that come up, I think, in that space. And I I heard a lot of, yeah, your talk about perfectionism and like, oh, I would fail or I would be a bad, you know, I, I didn't do it right. And that mm-hmm. that comes from like, yep, we went all the way as, as far as we could go in, in academia, because probably that similar voice of like, are you a good student? Are you good at this? Mm-hmm. Like, pass the test, pass this and that exactly. external validation. Yeah. Oh, totally. I, I mean, it's so much a part of just that that culture, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, so many systems just in structures, institutions built around yep. that of yep. looking for external validation to determine yep. your self-worth and it's backwards. Yep. And it can get really messy in entrepreneurship too. So oh it, my God. Leaving the oh academy God. does not change that at no, all. No, <laughs> no, it, it amplifies it. <laughs> yeah, amplifies, that's exactly it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm thinking I would love to hear a little bit about your business structure, if you don't mind. Like, I also like to use this show to kind of paint different ways that people are running their business, income mm-hmm. streams or decisions that they made along the way as a result. Um, you know, so if you have any anything you want to share about how you decided to run your business and, sure. and where you wanted income to come from, just so we can show the diversity of that. Yeah. You know, I was a speaker at uh, mm. Entrepalooza, that's uh, Entreport's annual oh, cool. event a couple, yeah. well, like almost a month ago. And I did a podcast with the the founder of Entreport and mm-hmm. he asked me a similar question. And so... Mm. You know, if you had asked me this question five years ago, I would have been able to pull up a file and tell you all the details, right? Like quarter one, quarter two, this is what I'm doing. This is my long-term strategy. You know, this is what's going to happen in the first year, projections for second year, all that kind of stuff. And part of my process has been unlearning a lot Mm. of that because I have felt very constricted by it, mainly because my vision is so big, right? Mm. So I, uh, what I've done now, right, is looking at how do I start to create that imprint, right? And really positioning myself, like I mentioned earlier, you know, Mm -hmm. where do you want to position yourself in this industry? Mm -hmm. What is it that I'm here to contribute and add Mm -hmm. value around? What gaps am I personally filling? Starting to make an imprint through that. And how I did that was to start combining my leadership mentoring experience. I've been mentoring uh, the next generation of leaders for the last 10 years, obviously in different institutions and different settings. But Mm -hmm. I brought that now to the entrepreneurial space and combining it with my public speaking experience and what I have focused on as this, I guess you could say kind of a, an, an intermediary step is 
bringing forth my expertise, right? As a psychologist, mm-hmm. as an online educator, as a C-suite executive, mm-hmm. as a public speaker and helping entrepreneurs. So these are experts. I only work with yep. experts that are still not making the traction that they want mm-hmm. on the scale they want, partly because of visibility, right? Yep. So a lot of my clients really are looking at, okay, how do I start to get visible when in all the noise out there? How do I stand mm-hmm. out in a way that really honors my expertise and doesn't make me feel like I'm doing what everybody else is doing and then getting lost in that? Uh, helping my clients really develop a deep understanding of their vision and seeing that the work they're here to do on this earth is bigger than just being another coach, mm-hmm. just being another service provider. Mm-hmm. So I really help them elevate their own authority, but also their brand in the process. And specifically, you know, I talked about thought leadership earlier. Mm-hmm. That is for me, my biggest area of focus is really helping remove barriers, build up confidence, give people the language that comes from them. Because all my clients, they know exactly what they want to do, but then they sound like a total mess trying to explain it. Mm -hmm. I'm the translator, right? So I give them that translated message back to them, right? I hear everything that they want to do. I give it back in a way that actually can be aligned with who they're trying to target in their audience, but also truly amplifies what their business is about and why they are the only people that yes. can do this work. Yep. And and to me, right, once you have that message, and I call it, you know, for me that I get my love story method is the foundation for how you start to build your business on this platform. A true, then, real, strong business. I totally. love that. Totally. But then yep. from there, you've got your signature story. Yep. Right. And if we look mm. at any industry leader out there, right, if we look at the influencers in the online entrepreneurial space, they all have a signature story. And mm-hmm. I have observed the the quality of these stories. And I saw that there was a huge opportunity to go even deeper. And that's mm. what I'm providing to, as a Ooh. service. So helping people create the foundation in their business based on the love story, which is the claim your leadership, own your magic, have a vision for your audience bigger than the vision they have for themselves teaching them how to create educational experiences that elevate lives. And then from there, pulling out a signature story that they can use on stage, that they can ah, use in their programs. The public that, speaking. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That they can do a Facebook Live around, that they can yep. create their first thought leadership piece, right? And that's mm-hmm. what I want because thought leadership isn't just because you get an article published. That doesn't mean it's thought leadership, you know? No. It's, and <laughs> yeah. you get it, right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm preaching to the choir, but I it's one you. of the mis- misunderstandings out there. And mm. like this summer, I got published on Forbes. That was not a thought leadership piece for me, right? Mm. I was being interviewed, but I was sharing my observations, my expert advice and opinions on a particular topic. But look at the book that I published last year, The Good Goodbye. That's my thought leadership, right? That Mm, is a contribution to how organizations and individuals deal with change and loss. Mm. So I want to help educate these experts around what thought leadership truly means and how it is that they can start to contribute their own thought leadership to their fields. And my Someone dog agrees be with me podcast. because, yeah, she, uh, yeah, my fr- my dog love bug always has to make an appearance. I should have forewarned you, but she gets very excited <laughs> no when I get excited. <laughs> mine, mine is relatively good as long as there's not someone knocking on the front door or trying to get inside. Um, <laughs> we're usually good, <laughs> not even a problem. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that because I, I like how you explained your services too. 
like the reasoning behind. And I think you're painting mm-hmm. a great picture for someone sitting here going like, wait, what could I actually contribute? Because I see all of your story and your past experiences and all the jobs you've held really coming out in in just even talking about what you do right now. And I think mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it is that we all have the story, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I've become masterful, right? At weaving in my story to my mm-hmm. conversations and really do have a strategic eye that it, things have to link back to your business, right? Because yep. at the end of the day, this is a business. You're here to make money so that yep. you can have the resources to be able to grow and continue to make bigger impact. But I want people to realize that your signature story, it's already been written for you. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of it. It's now mm-hmm. just a matter of pulling it out. And mm. that's the magic that I help provide. And it's your story is your life experience. Everything mm. that you've experienced in life, whether it's professionally related or not, it all has led you to this moment where you yep. now are the only person that can provide the service that you provide mm. and why you are the best to be able yep. to get that out there into the world. So good. Would you mind sharing when you started, when you had your business a couple years ago, were you, I'm, I'm guessing that this service, like this signature service that you're doing wasn't what it was two years ago. What, I don't know if you could trace anything you want to share about the shape your business has taken or your business journey that mm-hmm. led you also to this point. Cause I, I love painting that picture too to my audience where it's like, what you start with may not be what you end up with. And I think you've done a great job of like the path has led us to where we are right now. Is there anything else in your path that's like, yeah, I realized that helping women or that helping this population didn't really serve them or me or didn't have all my gifts. Is there any insight on that uh, journey that you could provide? I'm trying to think back. You know, mm. I I fell into... I fell into that whole belief that, you know, the first thing I need to do is grow my list to thousands of people, right? That's a popular one. Oh, my God. And, you know, I got to have the perfect opt-in and I got to have the funnel and then I got to get them on a webinar and then I got (laughs) to sell on my program and then I got to make sure it's evergreen and then I just lay and fall asleep and make the money, right? Yep. And (laughs) (laughs) and and then I'm a happy, you know, forever, ever after person, rich person. Right. (laughs) Um, So I focused on those things. My mm-hmm. first year. And mm-hmm. and as I mentioned earlier, it just totally like sucked me dry of like yeah. self-worth. And so yep. I remember I remember back then my focus was on the good goodbye. So I think one pivotal shift, you know, when I knew I was gonna publish my book, I wanted to develop courses from it and yeah. have these be more personal development kind of programs. And I thought that's that was a direction I was gonna go. And so I Remember hosting a webinar, I think this was in 2015 or 2016, no, 2016. And people came on it, right? And I had one person immediately jump out and say, I need to hire you now. This is exactly what I need. I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then everybody else, you know, signed up to get more information. I didn't know what I was doing, but what came from that is me realizing that my focus on trying to build my audience led me down the wrong path. Yes. And that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, has taken a while from me to to kind of reorient around. And so mm. now, you know, kind of starting with those beginning steps, and I really love what I've learned from Ron Reich. So he is a business coach. Uh, oh, yeah. Who, uh, I love launch, him. Yeah. launch specialist. Yep. 
So, right, like how, where do you start? Yes, you need to be visible to your audience, uh, but you don't need to invest in the funnels and all that kind of stuff right now. What you need mm-hmm. to do is just get out there and start speaking your truth. Start yep. giving people a taste of who you are and deliver amazing, amazing content. Yep. That is not information, but it's actually no. taking people through some transformational experience, right? Yep. And then from there, build relationships. I'm really yes. huge on this because we forget – when we're focused on, I need thousand plus subscribers, we're thinking about They're the number. They're not human beings on the no, other side of that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So go back to, you know, your classroom days, like the, you know, first day of class and you step into the classroom and your students start to trickle in. Yeah. You take a moment to look at every single one of them. Mm. You study them. You start to listen to them. You start to get to a sense of who they are what they're bringing as strengths, what their challenges are, and then you position yourself in a way to shape their learning. There's no reason we should not be doing that online. Mm. And, you know, the argument might be, well, I don't know who these people are because I don't know who's, you know, start with the people that are engaging with your material. Yep. Yep. The people showing up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And build out. So, you know, for me, it was working one-on-one. That was the first step for me. And I, it's funny yep. because I've been a therapist for so many years. I've done a ton, a ton of ton of one-on-one work. And I said to myself, I do not want to do any one-on-one work as an entrepreneur. I'm just going to dive straight into groups. I want to get on stages. That's where my magic is at. And so I refused it until Ron and I had our first coaching call. <laughs> and oh, he said... Funny. Uh, have you thought about one-on-one? And I went through the whole spiel. I don't want to do it. Da, 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 da. I've only had a, you know some few clients here and there. I don't want this to be my model. And he basically made an executive decision for me. And so we started and I did one-on-one work and it was incredible. You know, it just, mm. my therapy days were really intense because I was a trauma specialist. So, yeah. you know, it was trauma work, but mm-hmm. this Ha- doesn't have to be trauma work. You know, if there are traumas mm. there, I can, you know, send them to a therapist. But now yes. we get to work with uh, with just the readiness of a client stepping into that next level. So one-on-one client work has been phenomenal. It also has given me a sense of understanding of what are the issues that they're dealing with? How do yep. I extrapolate this and tie it back to my observations and research of the industry? And then next, you know, I'm launching a group program that's going to be starting very, very soon. And that, yeah, that group program is helping you find the love story in your business. And Mm. so it is, you know, the, the leadership development, it is helping people create that big vision, teaching them how to create educational content, right? Instead of just information and then helping them really develop their communication, their speaking skills. I'm going to be giving them the best of my 35 years of experience and then having that all turn into thought leadership. So, you know, now that I'm doing a group program, I'm able to expand. And then what can come after that? I mean, obviously, I can look at a signature program. I can Mm -hmm. do more intensive experiences, Mm one-on-one retreats. But all of maybe this maybe in Mexico. To be, oh well, obviously in Mexico, <laughs> that is a given. But this, you can see, like it starts. It's mm-hmm. like concentric circles, right? It starts. I love to build it. Out, and it's painting. It's painting such a true picture because I'm sitting here going, "Yep." And it, here's what's beautiful: as you're listening, is Gladys is literally showing you how only she could teach this. Like, Mm. I'm sitting here going, like, why would I want to learn how to be a thought leader from anyone else than someone who's actually led in various institutions in various settings? Like, you've done such a great job of painting that. And it comes through in the way that you talk about your service. That's when you know that you're on to something that, yeah, doesn't need a funnel, doesn't need all the fancy bells and whistles. It's like you 
<laughs> and like what you're here to help people with. And yes. like that's, that's the essence of what you're you're sharing. I love it. Yeah. And imagine if all of us were in mm, that space. Showed right? up that way. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, we would I have like it. 10 million more people yep. saying that they are, they are leaders and mm. really operating from that space. And isn't that what we need right now in our world more than anything? More than anything. And, you know, I wrote down too, I wrote the word scope of like scope of practice when you were talking about you're like, oh, so I don't have to be a trauma therapist when I um, when people hire me to coach them. And in fact, I can put them into, you know, suggest great therapists locally or tell them how to find that or do their own research. And that's where there's such a huge problem in this industry is that people have like actually don't have a therapist background. And um, they dredge up these situations or story, like just experiences of people that are coaching. And I'm just like, this is why oh we God. need academics who actually know what they're doing. Oh. Like, I, you, I know we talked about regulations at the beginning, and maybe I'm digging a hole right now for us at the end of our call. But, but I, you know, it just came up and like, that's why it's so important that, you know, not, not like just people like us, and I'm saying that with air quotes, but just like, you know, people that do understand like how to do research and how to mm -hmm. and have studied the theories behind you know you know a lot of the issues that people coach around or topics they're talking about i know i had dr valerie on and she actually coaches women around transformation and people throw that word around like it's nothing and oh she actually God. studied it and it's like and then they had <laughs> Rachel right on and she's talking about sex ed and she's like and relationships and she's like we have like decades of research on this stuff and there's people that are just like nonchalantly like here's how you like be in a relationship and it's like no 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 we like actually know stuff about we know it. yeah like, <laughs> we've been studying it weird and so I don't know I think it's just so important that um our work bleeds if it feels like a calling to you that your work is bigger than your institution you know you're just showing the perfect example of it this is why it needs to get out there yes Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. It's people are being misled. And, yeah. and, and yeah. you know, I don't I don't want to say that it's because of, you know, like bad intention. I think no. we're just all being misled because there's no f direction in this yeah. space. And that yep. that is the issue. And that's where, you know, when we're in academia, we don't like the accreditors, right? We don't like sure. all the regulations. We don't like <laughs> oh, all the it. you had to bring that right? up. You're right. <laughs> right. But yeah. on the other end, yeah. what in the good spirit of why they were created, mm -hmm. it's to provide an overall sense of unity and mm -hmm. shared direction. Standards. And, and standards, yeah, for sure. all of that. Yeah. And yeah. that's what's sorely missing in this space. And I just, it, it, that's one, one thing that irks me. I just can't tolerate it. So I have to fix that somehow. I hear you. Well, let's end, end on a happier note. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe. Um, uh, it sounds like, you know, people are going to want to follow you. Obviously, um, your this interview was fire. I'm just like so excited. And um, it was such a great conversation. But if people want to get to know you more, where are you hanging out the most on the interwebs? Oh my gosh, Facebook is my Facebook. home right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I uh, I love the video camera, as I mentioned earlier. So I do a lot of Facebook lives where I do trainings. I actually, if folks are interested, um, I just did a three-part video training on oh, cool. how to find your signature story. Yeah. So um, folks can take a look at that. And you can go to my website, drgladysauto.com. And it's G-L-A-D-Y-S-A-T-O. And Gosh, you know, if people want to check out my book, it's The yeah. Good Goodbye, Gladys Otto. You can find it on Amazon. Um, but more than anything, you know, I'm really here to be of service to the next generation of leaders and help you get out there in big ways and 
do my best to mm. save you from the agony that I went through my yeah. first year and a half. You know, it's it's not a fun place to go to. It serves us well when we know what to do with it. But there's a there's a path that comes with a lot more ease and a lot more secure, mm. that sense of safety and security. And yeah, if anybody feels that call of just walking that path with me, just reach out to me. You can private message me on Facebook, send me an email and we'll chat. Awesome. That sounds amazing. Yes. Um, we'll definitely drop all those links also below the show notes. So don't worry about having to find it if you're like trying to write stuff down. We got you. Um, well, this has been amazing and I want to be best friends with you. <laughs> Can we continue this conversation? I'm like, there's work for us to do together. There is so um, much work to do yeah. together. Oh my God. I know. And yeah, I and it's been actually, refreshing. I have, you know, we can talk about this after the show, but like, I'm like, oh, she might be awesome to come into my community as well. Um, oh, I'd love to. Of, um, just having another academic talking about the stuff you're talking about. I think it would be amazing. So we will continue this conversation. Stay tuned, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the end. No, not but thank end. you so much for um, having this conversation. I enjoyed every single moment. Thank you. Oh, me too, Lindsay. Thank you so much. It was such a joy chatting with you. Mm-hmm. 